Chapter 8. A Name and an Address Megan had showered and dressed and was combing out her hair in her room the next morning when she could hear Howard's heavy footsteps outside her slightly opened door. Megan, are you decent? he asked, knocking faintly. She grumbled a yes, and Howard nudged the door open. He was holding her small television, the powered cord dangling beneath. Can I come in for a minute? he asked, almost apologetically. She didn't really answer, somewhat surprised at him, apparently bringing back the television he had taken away not twenty-four hours earlier. Hadn't he said he was taking it for a week? He came in, set the television on the floor, and sat, hesitantly and a little awkwardly, on the edge of her bed. I wanted to bring this back to you and try this again. Megan gave him a quizzical, suspicious look. Look, I know you've been through a lot, he continued, looking down at his feet. I, uh... He seemed stuck, mouthing words that weren't coming out. She just sat, wondering what he was trying to say. He looked up. I don't approve of you skipping class, he said, but I don't want to just yell at you all the time about it. I want to figure out what you need so I can help you instead of, well, this. He motioned at the previously confiscated television. Megan wasn't really sure how to respond. What did she need? She needed to not have him breathing down her neck about school all the time. She needed her own space. But she knew that if she told him that, he would just tell her all about how that wasn't what she really needed. It'd be nice to not have to babysit Sam, she responded. She doubted that he would change anything about that situation, but she figured since he was asking. I understand, Howard said, nodding and then looking down again. I know it's a lot to ask of you, he offered though Megan didn't really think he believed it. I don't really know what else to do, though, with everyone's work schedule the way it is. Couldn't you, like, hire somebody else to do it? Or put him in daycare or something? Believe it or not, I actually looked into that. It's pretty expensive either way. Sure, Megan thought to herself. It's so much cheaper to just force me to do it for free. Look, I'll keep looking for other options for Sam. If you can just help me out for a while, I'd really appreciate it. Megan turned back around to her mirror. Whatever, she mumbled. Howard let out a sigh. Megan, I'm trying. What do you want me to do? I don't care, she responded without turning around. Howard sat for a minute, then got up to walk out. Please don't skip today, he asked in a resigned tone of voice. Megan didn't, though she desperately wanted to avoid biology. As it turned out, it was nowhere near as bad as she had anticipated. Leah didn't say anything about Greg, and Ashley, who was so excited about it the day before, had flitted off to some other group of girls for the latest gossip. Megan was more aware of Anthony, whose lab station she now realized was on the other side of the classroom, but their paths didn't happen to cross, either in class or afterward. She arrived at Aspen School a little early, and sat on a swing while she waited for the bell to ring. The buses had just begun to pull into the parking lot, and several moms and even a few dads were hovering out front of the school, likely there to scoop up the youngest of the students and take them home. Megan watched a particular mom with shoulder-length light brown hair and a carefully made-up face with a timid smile. Megan imagined for a moment that it was Sam's mom, and pictured Sam running out to her, backpack swinging from one shoulder to another, clutching some art project he'd made with construction paper, beans, and glue. The thought gave her a quick shiver of sadness, and she forced herself to think of something else. 
Before long, the bell rang, and Megan scanned the crowd of kids for Sam's tousled brown hair. She soon saw him emerge from the classroom door. He caught her eye, waved, and ran toward her. Sam, do you want to go to a park for a little while? Sure, he responded, eyes brightening. Megan led Sam down the street to a cul-de-sac with a small playground tucked in among the trees. I have to go do something, but you can play here for a little bit, and then I'll be right back, okay? Okay, Sam answered excitedly, practically ignoring her last several words as he locked his gaze on a slide and sprinted into the play area. Satisfied that he was engaged, Megan turned around and walked briskly back up the road, taking a different turn than they had taken to get there. She walked until she reached what appeared to be an old white milk truck, long since taken out of regular use, parked on the street. She ducked behind the truck in such a way that she could see a gray and white house across the street without being seen and checked her watch. In a few minutes, a white sedan came down the road to park by the curb in front of the house. The engine shut off right away, and after a few minutes, a thirty-something woman got out. She had a slender build, dark blonde hair, and wore a long floral print skirt with a beige top. She checked through her purse for something, closed the car door, walked up to the house, and rang the doorbell. Within a minute, the door opened. Hi there, Tammy. Come on in. Megan could hear young kids playing in the background as the two women exchanged pleasantries, and after a few moments the visitor was inside and the door was closed once again. Megan emerged from behind the truck and crossed the street, trying to remain unobtrusive while craning her neck to catch a glimpse through the front windows, but it was no use. They were all covered with curtains. She snuck around the corner of the house just as the front door opened again. Megan heard the clicking of dress shoes as the lady who had answered the door bundled in an expensive-looking coat and carrying a large purse, walked to a blue Pontiac parked in the driveway. Within a minute, she had driven away. Satisfied that the woman was out of sight, Megan walked back up to the road and to the white car parked there. She had seen her here before and had eventually realized that it was every other Tuesday that she came. Feeling a little emboldened today, she decided to walk over and peer in the passenger side window to see if there was anything worth finding. The contents of the back seat were the same as they had been on previous visits, an open duffel bag with what looked like workout clothes inside, a few paperback novels, and some faded receipts. In the front seat, though, was a manila folder, something that hadn't been there before. The folder was closed, so Megan couldn't see the contents. She looked quickly around and behind her and pulled the door handle, but exhaled sharply when she realized that it was locked, and a quick glance across to the driver's side confirmed that the other door was locked as well. Leaning closer to the glass, though, she realized that she could make out the name on the folder's tab. Fitzgerald, Tamara. Date of birth, 11-17-49. Megan's heart skipped a beat. It was supposed to read Tamara Whitaker, not Tamara Fitzgerald. Fitzgerald was her maiden name. Oh, man, she thought to herself. Her knees went weak as she realized what must have happened. She and Dad divorced. Megan had made it halfway back to the playground when she heard someone yelling, almost screaming. She soon realized it was Sam. She had never heard him so loud before and barely recognized the voice, and broke into a run. Sam was there, but he wasn't hurt or in danger. He was shouting as loud as he could out over the canyon. From the edge of the play area, Megan could see for miles, but the people whose attention Sam was trying to get were a little closer than that. There were two teenage boys crossing the Peggy Sue Bridge, which connected the two sides of the canyon before them. 
Sam, they can't hear you, Megan interrupted, not even able to understand what Sam was saying through the panic of his screams. As she came to his side, she could see that Sam was in tears. Megan, if they fall off the bridge, it will make their moms and dads forget all about them, he urgently exclaimed, his voice almost hoarse, and struggling to get the words out between heaving sobs. Oh, Sam, they're not going to fall. Look, they're being really careful. She pointed to the two boys, who were slowly making their way across the bridge, almost three-quarters of the way to the far side. She squatted down next to him as he watched them through teary eyes. Megan watched with him as the boys finally reached the other side of the bridge. After making it through the fence, the boys walked up the dirt road toward the Jewish Center, and Megan and Sam watched them until they were out of sight. Sam, you're the only one I've ever known who has fallen off by accident. And that was only because you were running. Everyone else jumped off because they wanted to. Sam looked up, and Megan was worried that he was going to ask a deeper question than she was prepared to answer. I'm sorry I was running, he responded, tears visibly welling up in his red eyes. Megan looked down. It's okay, Sam. What's up, girl? Charlie walked into the living room where Megan was sitting on the sofa. She had been absorbed in the scarlet letter and lost track of the time, and as she looked up, she thought it strange that Charlie was the first one back from work. Usually, he ended up working later into the evening, coming home after the restaurant's dinner rush. "'What are you doing back so early?' she asked, looking around as if she had just woken up. "'Gabe needed extra hours, so he was there today,' he responded. "'I'm not going to complain about that. Where's Sam?' Megan sat up and realized that she didn't know where he was. "'Is he in your bedroom?' Nah, Charlie answered, walking into the kitchen. I was just up there. He wasn't in your room either. Megan got up and walked down the hallway, thinking perhaps Sam was messing with Rom's video games or computer. The room was dark, though, and there was no sign of Sam. She walked over toward the stairs that went up to Howard, Rom, and Phil's bedrooms, and wondered for a moment. There was no reason he should be up there, but he didn't seem to be anywhere else in the house. She climbed the stairs into the dark hallway, and saw the doors to Rom's and Howard's rooms were closed as they normally were. But at the far end of the hallway, Phil's door was sitting open. Megan walked in, trying to remember if she had ever actually been inside Phil's room. She had been in this hallway before, since it held one of the only two bathrooms in the house, but she and Charlie had always tacitly understood that the bedrooms were off-limits. Really, there was never anything about Howard, Phil, or Rom that made them think there was ever anything worth snooping around for in the first place. Phil's room was very plain, with a military tidiness. The walls were bare, with the exception of a tiny mirror and a clock. The windows, which looked out over the front yard, had curtains made of a heavy beige fabric. There was a dresser, a tall bookshelf, and a desk right by the door. In the middle of the room was a full-sized bed, crisply made, and covered with a thinnish, light brown bedspread. It was on the floor on the other side of the bed that Megan found Sam, kneeling and holding a brand-new, bright red electric guitar, that was nearly bigger than he was, and very obviously not his. Sam! He looked up, surprised at Megan's presence, apparently unaware that he had been trespassing. Megan, look at this! Does a rock star live here? Sam was wide-eyed and breathless. Megan quickly moved closer. Where did you get that? We have to put it back. Sam's face fell a little. It was here. I came in to get my car that raced under the bed, and I found it. The guitar was under the bed? Yeah, I promise. This made absolutely no sense to Megan. Among everyone who lived in the house, Phil was the least likely person of all of them to play, let alone own an electric guitar. Sam, you need to get out of here. You're not supposed to go sneaking into other people's rooms. 
Sam untangled himself from the guitar strap. As he stepped out of the way, she put it back underneath the bed. It occurred to her that perhaps it was somebody's Christmas present, but that also didn't make any sense. For one thing, the only Christmas presents exchanged in the house last year were gifts that Howard had gotten for her, the new girl. And who would it be for? Neither Megan nor Charlie played any instruments, and Sam could barely pick the thing up. Megan got up, taking a quick, curious peek under the bed as she did so, wondering what else might be hidden underneath it. Seeing only a box marked canceled checks and a couple pairs of shoes, she looked back over to Sam, who was now over at the desk, his hands in his pockets. Wasn't the door closed when you came up here? No, Sam said. This one wasn't. Being so methodical, it was unlike Phil to forget to close his door, and Megan debated on whether or not she should close it or leave it open and pretend that she hadn't seen it. As she ushered Sam out of the room, she decided she'd close it. If he somehow found out what happened, she would just tell him the truth. After all, she hadn't done anything wrong. She reached in to grab the doorknob and saw what Sam had been looking at on the desk, a stack of small envelopes. The top one bore a 20-cent stamp with no return address. Across the top in light pencil was written, December. Megan carefully looked through to see that the envelopes beneath had different months, but were all addressed the same. 3275 Pueblo Drive, Los Alamos, New Mexico, 87544. Megan slowly closed the door, baffled even more at what had been hidden behind it.